Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poon. It's episode 337. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacey Penn. That is at StaceyPenn89 on Twitter. Stacey, how are you doing on this uh, Tuesday night? Uh, doing all right. Uh, victory Tuesday, I guess. The first victory Tuesday of the uh, preseason. Yes, it is the first victory Tuesday of the preseason. Um and we will talk about that and more, uh, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram, posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you've not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Also, if you can, please leave us a comment. Again, that would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available on our website. You can find that at www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that will take you to the merchandise store. You'll find all kinds of new stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, you name it. We've got it. Uh, there's also new, uh, sorry, there's also merchandise with our new updated logo on there if you're interested in that. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the new Strickland podcast. Takes from Obvious Bozos that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, alongside Zach Blatter. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, or a rant and rave the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. It's come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on part recordings. Merchandise discounts and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly Monday, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you, and none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one source information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores, and ma- matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from Week One all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests any of it available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code Believe BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, <clears throat> so the season, uh, at least somewhat, started for the Knicks last night. Um, I don't know if you had any takeaways from what we saw yesterday, Stacey, but uh, if you do, go ahead and. Uh, the only you know, big takeaway is I'd never want to see Jericho Sims play minutes of power forward again. Do we need to debate that or explain why? Or uh, I mean, I, I don't need to debate it. I don't really know that it needs an explanation, but if you wanted to explain why. It was um, it, even against backup, the, the Celtics, well, it was the backups to the Celtics backups, right? They didn't play their starters. You could see neither RJ nor quickly... You know, anytime they could create, it came to creating like an inch of space for a shooter, but they always had an extra defender because nobody was respecting Sims at the perimeter. Sims can't do anything at the rim with Mitch there. Um, 
you know, there's no semblance of any kind. It's not even like heart, like honestly, Hartenstein Mitch might even work better than that because at least Hartenstein has that little 10 to 15 foot game where he can be a little dangerous. Um, you know, Hart was out. I get it. Preseason is the time next experiment. Um, We've seen that quickly McBride Grimes is a lineup that's had a lot of success. Um, you know, probably not in as many minutes as we'd have liked, but, you know, their perimeter defense helps you a lot. So, you know, trying a guy like RJ at the four in that situation would have been my preferred option. But it was very clear that didn't work. Um, it was very tough for quickly or RJ to create much space in those lineups. Um, and, and even, and, um, I think it was Jeff uh, Rasmussen, Frank Barrett, who posted a couple of these these um, clips from our account where, you know, even on defense, you know, people don't talk about it as much because you assume that, oh, you get two bigs that must be good on defense. But Sims is now playing a different role, right? He's not a, a big in drop. He is, um, you know, he's having to fight through screens. He's having to work as more of a, a weak side defender, right? Uh, which I think he can be a good weak side defender, but you saw that the the Celtics also were able to exploit the Knicks on on that end, and that's a little bit confounded by the fact that they happened to throw Evan Fournier in for some of those minutes. Which is my other takeaway: it's that it's almost like have you ever seen the longest yard with Adam Sandler, the the new one. Yeah, yeah, it's like when the other dude's like, "Why can't I be quarterback?" and Adam Sandler's like, "All right, throw me the ball," and he like throws it at the ground. It's like that's why. That's what it seemed like happened with Evan Fournier, where he's been complaining, I can still fucking play. Yesterday, we didn't see it. Um, he hit a three. Um, he's probably still one of the better shooters on the team, but he was attacked constantly, again, by Boston's backups to their backups uh, on defense, and there just seems to be very little change. So those are my... I think those are the, the main two takeaways. Is that, like, Sims at the four is not a tenable solution for any kind of ex, uh, extended minutes. And um, Evan Fournier, is he is who we thought he was. And um, I don't think he really needs to be getting minutes outside of garbage time for this team. Yeah. Um, he's completely washed. Um, I know there were some – I mean, on the broadcast, they kept bringing up like – Oh, he hit some shots. Every time he hit a three, it was like, oh, this is what he can provide. And <clears throat> I just didn't see that. Like, the thing is, if he's not shooting, then he's just a liability on the floor. And, I'm, and I mean, like, literally, if you're not giving him the ball to shoot, he does nothing else for you. So there's no point to having him on the floor unless you're trying to get him shots. And why the hell would you be trying to get Evan Fournier shots, given the other talent on the roster? Um, and then I, I also just thought, like, his final stat line, I think he ended up with like 11 points or whatever. I don't remember what exactly it was. He had a few three. He, the only time he looked good, the only time he looked fine in the game was that fourth quarter. And that was when Boston put in like their real like super scrubs, like like the the the, the deepest scrubs in the world. Um, it, it was just like, and he finally looked okay. I, I don't see any path for him to minutes on this roster. I actually would just prefer they told him to stay home. Or like came to some kind of agreement where he was okay with that because he shouldn't even be getting preseason minutes, honestly, as far as I'm concerned. Because I would much rather see what we have in some of these other dudes hanging out there. Because I'm positive Evan Fournier is not going to give you anything. The only reason he's still on this roster is to exist as an expiring contract. That's it. It's the only reason he's here. Um, <clears throat> I don't really like talking about players like that, but that's what he is at this point in his career. He's not 
a good if, if he's an NBA player, he's not a good one. And um, any minutes that went to him were a waste of time yesterday for everybody involved. Like there were better lineups to experiment with. Basically, any lineup that doesn't involve Evan Fournier would have been a better experiment. Um, and I just thought it was obvious he can't move anymore. Every time he any defensive possession that he was on, and they like used him in any kind of action on or off ball, he was a disaster. He just leads to so many breakdowns on end. He can't run. He can't get back in transition at all. It's, I don't think it's a surprise that as soon as he came in, Boston scored in like ten. They scored like ten points in a minute, maybe. Um, it's not a surprise to me. Like I, I don't. Is it somewhat bad luck? Is some of that bad luck? Sure, but it's not a coincidence that this bad luck constantly happens when he's on the floor. He's just not a good player in any capacity at this point, and his shooting isn't worth it either because he's not like. To me, he's not a guy like Duncan Robinson who can just not be in the rotation for about, I don't know, fucking three months and just come in cold and he's ready to go. Like, he's a guy who needs to kind of feel the game out for a bit, get into a rhythm and, and work himself in. And he's just not, he doesn't deserve that opportunity on this team, quite, quite honestly. So, um, yeah, I, I'm good on any hope for Evan Fournier. The Sims thing is just weird. Like, <clears throat> I don't think we needed more proof that it doesn't work. It was pretty obvious last year it didn't work. If Tibbs wanted to use that yesterday because Josh Hart was out and he wanted to like just give it a chance in this first preseason game, sure. But if you're talking about I'm a net rating guy, I mean, I don't know, man. Like If you're a net rating guy, that's just not a lineup that should have taken priority over other lineups. If it was just some weirdo experiment he wanted to try, fine. But it's not one that should persist because there are other lineups, even that were available to us yesterday without um, Josh Hart available and with Brunson playing limited minutes and Randall playing limited minutes. There were still plenty of lineups available to us that would have been more fun and just forget fun, just more effective on the floor. And um, yeah, I mean, like I saw there was like some minor complaints about like, I, I saw like on the tri- timeline during the game of like, oh, RJ and quickly are like forcing shots. And it's like, oh, they can't even destroy like the Celtics scrub unit. And I'm like, man, look at what the Celtics are doing. Like they're just collapsing anytime those guys are on the ball and daring them to pass to Jericho Sims or daring them to pass to, to Hartenstein in the corner or whatever it was. And it's just like the spacing's not there. It doesn't look good. I honestly thought what they created given that situation was. I was actually impressed by it, like given the circumstances. Um, but yeah, it's just I like they both played well. I mean, they should play well. They're these are worse players than them, but uh, most of the main guys, and that co- that goes for Sims too. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to shit on Sims. Like, um, I think he, you know, he had some some plays, and I think he's a really good. If he's your third five, that's great. But um, you know, I, I thought the guys. I, I, there was no one whose performance I was really disappointed in yesterday. I think they all played pretty, pretty well, but I expected them to because the guys the Celtics put out there aren't really on their level. Yeah, I mean they weren't really on their level. I know Peyton Pritchard kind of had his moments, and he's a good player, but like he is. But I'm saying yeah, like he's, guys a, he's like, a good player, but right, like the Delano Banton isn't good, and I know he had like a nice game, I guess, yesterday, but. Uh, I don't think the Knicks would have any issue, one, if they truly cared, and two, um, I don't think, I think they would be very happy with living with Delano Banton, like, 
pull up jumpers out of pick and rolls. I don't think they have any issue with that. He banked in one off that disgusting three he banked in. He had some mid range stuff, and I I don't really care about that. Um, I'm pretty sure he won't even play once they get their their real good players back because he's just not a good skill set fit with them. But um, <clears throat> to keep it to the Knicks, like yeah, I thought I thought RJ looked good. I thought quickly looked good. Like, and I kind of don't. I mean, I didn't even really care about how they shot. Like, they just looked like they were moving well. And, um, like, more so in RJ's case, that's always been, like, a concern, right? Like when he comes back from the offseason, just doesn't always look like he's physically, um, I don't want to say in bad shape, but he just doesn't look like he's fluid, or as fluid as he can be, right? He's not the most fluid guy anyway. But um, he looked like he was moving well yesterday, and that was good to see, especially this early on. And, like, yeah, quickly looked fine. I thought he looked stronger than he did last year. And I know last year he looked stronger than he had the year before. So it's good to see him kind of continue that progression, which is something that he's mentioned. And his trainer actually had a quote today. One and one on the, yeah. uh, the jumper. It just seen it was, yeah. I mean, it was a 20 foot jumper gets hit. Yeah. Throws it up and it's, it's switch, <clears throat> you know, so he definitely looks stronger. Yeah. He looks stronger. His trainer had an interview today or maybe it was yesterday with, Bondi in the uh, New York Post, he mentioned that Quickly's goal was to gain ten pounds this offseason. He said he had like he hit his goal. I I tend to believe that only because it was like kind of a throwaway interview that didn't get a lot of hype and Quickly himself didn't bring it up. So I kind of like believe that. Um, and he, either way, he just looks stronger, which is good. I think he needed to get stronger. I I think that's always been like a long term project for him. So to see him continue to progress in that sense was good. And then, you know, look, like, honestly, seeing most of these guys just play the way they did was good to me. Like, I thought Brunson looked great, and he was done after under six minutes. And I thought Randall actually looked really good. I thought he was really dialed in defensively in a way that he almost never was last year. So that was good to see. Um, I kind of wish Grimes had shot better from three, but he looked fine. Some of his decision-making, I think, left something to be desired. But again, first preseason game, maybe it's – him getting used to like having more of a green light this year. Um, and honestly, the big one for me was I just thought Mitch looked great. I thought Mitch looked really, really strong. I think he looked even stronger than he did last year. I thought he dominated a game that like clearly he should dominate given the matchups. And um, yeah, I was just impressed with kind of like how focused he was already in a preseason game. Yeah, I, um, that's, I mean, I think that the whole the whole teams. I would see sloppy plays, and I'd have to remind myself it is preseason. But the flip side of that is that, like, it wasn't as much as I've been used to seeing, especially the first game of preseason, right? So, um, I thought that the whole team was pretty clean. Um, look, some of Grimes is going to experiment with some stuff. Remember, G League or sorry, Summer League last year. You know, he was doing a lot of shit, and some of it worked out well, and some of it didn't. He's going to experiment. They're going to have a little bit more freedom. It was a little concerning yeah. that organic involvement in, like, the kind of things we want to see him do was less. Like, I don't think he touched the ball for the first few minutes of the game. Uh, you know, it was mostly Brunson, RJ, and Randall, which is, you know, going to be a thing, but at least some of the decoy stuff or, you know, pin down, some of the movement shooting that we've heard a little bit about this offseason, I didn't see that. Um, and I get it. I think, you know, Prez has talked about this, right? That's not really efficient basketball, even from good players like Redick, right? Um, but there's a reason why those guys do that. It's because it's very tough to defend. And 
um, you know, situationally, it's very important to have that, and having that element would be good. So I'd like to see more of that from Grimes. But overall, like, I mean, I, and, and the thing is, I mean, you you said this, right? You, I don't think you take much from from preseason normally, and you know, there weren't. I mean, the guys that we watched a lot of, like, I know what I'm going to get from Grimes. I know I'm going to get from Quickly. RJ, I know what I'm going to get. To be honest, I was actually, I think his rim reads, he continued the kind of trend I saw from Cleveland. Um, so some of the, you, you look at specific things for each player. Quickly and Grimes, they were basically what I expected. Um, RJ, I think, continues to make a leap. I, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about the jump shot. He wasn't hitting yesterday. Did a good job getting to the line. Uh, I thought his defense was more active. Um, so I saw what I wanted from RJ. Randall was Randall, right? Like, um, you know, it seemed like he was trying to to be a little bit more, uh, make better reads out of double teams. There were mixed results. Brunson still looks like, you know, certainly for that team that the Celtics put out there, the kind of guy who's unstoppable. <laughs> like, um, you know, it, it seemed, Brunson seemed like, you know, if you have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or something, you put him out for a series in preseason just to sanity check everything, but they're not going to play. Um, but those guys, you know what those guys are. Um, in terms of the growth from Grimes and quickly and Barrett, you know, the final judgments in that are going to be really from this, this season, right? The regular season. We're not going to see that from a game like yesterday, but there's nothing I saw from those guys that was discouraging. And that's, I think, that's the most you can take away from a game like that. You're not going to take away that, oh, they made a leap somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I've like made this mistake. I think the last two preseasons, and RJ shot really well from three, and I was like, "Oh, it's happening." Um, and I mean, not to say that like year before last, his so his third year, he was okay from three. I think he was like thirty four percent. I mean, that's fine. But last year, obviously, he had a really bad year from three. So I, I don't think that you should take too much from a shooting percentages, good or bad. Obviously, you'd rather guys shot well than poorly because. Who the hell wants their guys to shoot poorly before, like, as the season's about to start? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really care about the percentages. Uh, I know there was like, I saw some people talking about like RJ's form on his three looked weird. I have no take on that. I'm not a form person. I thought, I mean, I thought the three he did make looked pretty fluid. That's all I could say, really. Um, he had to take a weird, he took one really stupid pull up, but like, other than that, I thought his three point shots were ones that you want him to take. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was fine with his shot selection. His, I thought his decision-making when he put the ball on the floor was really good. Um, and, yeah, I mean, again, like, I'm not as convinced that his decision-making through the playoffs last year was as clean as everybody believes. Like, I'm not saying it was bad, but I don't think it was super clean um, all the time, especially towards the end of the Heat series. I thought he kind of reverted back to some of the bully ball, which is, I mean, bully ball is fine, but some of the single-minded bully ball stuff that we had seen from him last season. But, <clears throat> but yeah, like to see him start that way is really encouraging because that's something that I think we had both noted, and a lot of people have noted. It's not like we're on an island here. That that was an area for him to improve in. And, um, yeah, it's obviously just good to see that. But yeah, with Grimes, like I don't know, I, I don't know what really to take of it. He bricked some threes. He made a he made a three. Some of his decision making on drives was like I don't know, like maybe just shoot the ball instead of putting it on the deck. 
he had one really bad possession where I don't remember who he was trying to. I think he was trying to take Nimi's Kate off the off the bounce, and he went absolutely nowhere. Then he had tried to make some jump pass in the air, which triggered a fast break for them. Um, so the handle is definitely still like I think he's still feeling some stuff out. But yeah, like this is the time for him to do that. So go ahead, go crazy. But aside from that, like I again, like I just don't think there's a lot to take away from the game other than just yeah, the guys stayed, they were healthy, or they stayed healthy, they got through it. Uh, everybody looked like they were physically in shape. I guess the other thing that I kind of forgot about because it's easy to forget about now, but it was it was good to see Randall moving and just generally being as athletic and aggressive as he was given the ankle injury that he was dealing with last you know at the end very end of last season into the playoffs so to just see him like because i think he needed surgery on it right if i remember correctly so they did some surgery on it so to see him kind of just back moving as well as he was and 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 being in the mix i thought that was good to see and it was something that i actually kind of forgot about last night on the on the post game show but it's definitely something that is worth mentioning You're on mute. He is physically um, one of the most difficult players to deal with in the NBA. Um, just pure physical ability to just bully someone and blow by them. You're talking about him being on the level of, yeah, I will say it, like guys like Giannis or Jokic. Like just in terms of that physical, because he's quick enough to blow by basically any big. He's big enough to blow by to to bully even most bigs. Um, you know that's never been the question with him. It was nice to see that. Um, you know, I thought his the, the starting unit's defense was active. I thought he was good on that end. Can we see for eighty two games? Can we see him in the playoffs? That's the question, right? So, but I mean, his physical talent has never been in question for me. And I, but but to your point, yeah, when you have a twenty eight year old guy, you're always like you want to see them come back without those questions. And that's not something we should take for granted. And, and it was definitely good to see him being, um, you know, looking athletically like, like, you know, what we, we've come to expect. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think just, again, how he looked was good. Um, so that was encouraging. And then I thought like, I thought Dante, his first half was kind of like him feeling some stuff out. He looked a lot better in the second half to me. He hit a couple of threes without hesitating, which he did in the first half on several occasions. And, um, you know, he didn't, I mean, I, I, I know there's been, I know Tibbs even said it too, like, Oh, I like that he can play on or off ball. And I, yeah, he can play on ball a little bit, but I think you saw yesterday, like he's nowhere near as kind of just patient and prudent in terms of like probing. He kind of gets a little rash once he starts penetrating inside the arc. So like you need to be careful with that, but he, um, you know, I thought he played well. I thought he made some of the kind of smart decisions that you're hoping to see from him, that play he made at the end of the third quarter to feed Obi for, or not Obi, sorry, <laughs> uh, Hartenstein for the, uh, fast break dunk right before the buzzer went off was, was really like, that was a really heads up play and honestly perfectly timed. But yeah, like I, I think, you know, he, his first play, he kind of like got the ball and then he swung it to RJ in the corner. He was open for a three. I, I like the unselfishness. And hopefully this is just something that comes with time, but it's like, hey man, you're a 40% three-point shooter. Don't pass it to the guy who shot below league average from three the last two years. 
like I don't really care how open he is. You you're the better shooter, so just shoot that. Obviously, that's something that you hope comes in time as he gains more confidence and familiarity playing the guys on this team. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a good debut, and again, like he didn't get hurt, which was my main concern. And um, yeah, so that was again very nice to see. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, that's that's obviously the the big cons- the big thing. Um, you know, you don't want any injuries going forward. Um, what um, you know, what were kind of your big takeaways from the game, or, or anything that we haven't covered? Um, any individual players or anything like that? Um, I don't know if it's like I don't know. It's kind of early because it's a one game, so maybe he was just trying shit out that he's not going to try out, or maybe he's going to try different things and come to a conclusion when the regular season starts. <clears throat> I I think it's pretty obvious that like I think quickly is pretty firmly above Grimes in his pecking order of like guys he trusts. And I know that's I know people will always kind of point to like, well he likes his he likes size at the end of games and matching up defensively and blah blah blah. And not, this isn't even to say he doesn't like Grimes. I I know he likes Grimes. We I think that's pretty well established. But um, there's always been this weird thing of like I think Knicks fans associate kind of like some of his weirdo tendencies as a coach with he doesn't care or like or appreciate what quickly brings to the table. And I just have never. I mean, not I. You know, I should never. I can't say I should, I've never believed that. I've definitely believed that at points. But I thought last year he kind of moved past some of the weirder concerns he had with quickly a second year. I thought he gave him a lot more freedom and trusted him a shit ton at the end of games. We saw that consistently throughout the season. Um, what I, what I thought was interesting was just like that third quarter when they were both on the floor together and it's, you know, it's those two and DiVincenzo and two guys that are never going to handle the ball for Tibbs and Mitch and, and Sims like Grimes really got zero opportunity to, to create, to run a pick and roll, to do any of that, it was it was almost all quickly. It was almost all quickly in that in that period, and I thought that stood out. I also feel like he brought quickly in for Grimes, right? I think that was the first sub, or was it for Brunson? I don't remember exactly, but like I just think quickly is to him like I think him and Hart are kind of like. I mean, he's always, he's talked, he said this before, right? Like, doesn't matter who starts, it's who closes. And with those two guys, especially, I do think like he almost views them as starters who happen to be on our bench. Um, that stood out to me anyway. Like, especially with how quickly kind of closed last year in the playoffs where he was a little bit, he, not a little bit, he was a basket case offensively. He's making really bad decisions. And I think Tibbs justifiably, to some extent, lost trust in him. But like, it's I, again meaningless preseason game, but I think it's good to see that quickly kind of still has that trust from him. And more importantly, in the sense of like there was this consternation of like, right? Like, oh, well, we got DiVincenzo now. Remember, like, as soon as we signed DiVincenzo, it's like, oh, well, are they going to trade quick for, for OG Ananobi or do this or use him to get this guy or whatever? And um, I never thought that made sense because if you watch Dante DiVincenzo play, you're a fucking idiot if you think he's a point guard, like straight up. If you think he can run an offense, even if you don't think quickly is very good at it, 
you have to accept that Quickly can do it at a acceptable level. Like, DiVincenzo can't fucking do it. And if you, again, if you think otherwise, you haven't watched him fucking play, or you're a moron. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's never done it. He can't do it. He's not particularly good at it. It's not even, I mean, that's not a knock on him as a player. There's a lot of guys in the NBA that aren't particularly good at running offense. Deuce McBride's a player we both like. Guess what? He can't run an offense right now. Like, not very well. You know, not until he gets in the fourth quarter against guys that aren't going to be on the fucking Celtics' actual roster. Not until then can he actually run an offense at an acceptable level right now. Maybe, hopefully, he's just working some, you know, knocking off the rust and he's going to ball out in the rest of the preseason and make this all amazing, like a tough, oh my God, are they going to have to go 10 deep? That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Do I anticipate that? No. But um, I thought after all of this stuff with like, oh, what does Dante mean for quickly and all this, for quick to be the guy that immediately came in when Brunson sat and to very clearly, clearly be empowered as a point guard when both those guys were on the floor together, I thought that was a very important and critical kind of takeaway. More so even than, you know, I mean, I don't really care if Tibbs likes Grimes more than quickly. Like, I I can understand that, even if I don't agree. But, like, I think it's very important that he did not view Dante as like, oh, maybe he's the point guard here and quickly should move back to that off-ball role. Like, that was way more important for me to see. And, um, you know, the other part is, like, I think the other thing that I felt strongly about anyway was that, Let's see if Randall continues this. And I, I already noted the defense, but I thought offensively throughout the game, he was making a very concerted effort to get off the ball and let other guys get touches in, especially early in the game. I thought he was really good about that. Uh, even when he came back in in the first half, he had a possession where he eventually had to like swing it to either RJ or it ended up in some shitty like bailout deuce three that completely he completely airmailed it. Um, but like he was trying to get Grimes free for a three and Grimes just didn't make the right read. So then he had to reset it and whatever. But like, I just thought he was making such a concerted effort about that, that revisiting his comment about like, you know, he talked about this in the Paul George pod, right? Where he's like, Oh, it's the first time I got to study film and really like get into that. And he talked about being a more efficient player uh, during, I think it was on media day that he did that. So, um, to kind of just like see that action in some way or that those words be put to action in some ways, even if it is, I mean, the fact that it is a meaningless preseason game almost makes it more meaningful for Randall, because we know these are the type of situations in the past, especially like against an opponent who he clearly is more talented than that. He will just kind of fuck around and not be focused and just do whatever. And so I thought for him to bring the level of focus he did yesterday really was impressive. And honestly, like, I'm not saying it's the reason, but I do wonder if, like, look, I RJ has talked about this. A lot of these guys have talked about, like, Randall being the leader and how much he means and he doesn't get enough credit and blah, blah, blah. I do, th- I do wonder if, like, seeing Randall compete the way he did yesterday set the tone in a way and like rubbed off on a guy like RJ who we know last year was just not what you want to see from him on the defensive end of the floor. So, um, and, and, and again, like yesterday, we both mentioned this, he was really good on defense yesterday. At least he was very competitive, right? (laughs) So 
to see that, um, you know, is that I'm not gonna I'm not saying Randall deserves credit for that, but it would not surprise me if you if like, you know, when you see your best guy competing the way he was, even in a preseason game, if that rubs off on dudes, yeah, so be it. I think that that's a good thing. And I think last preseason, I shit on Randall for his defensive effort throughout. Like I was like, I don't like the way this is trending. This is not great. I think he needs to pick it up. I understand it's preseason, but he needs to be a little bit more focused. And I've said that about I said that about RJ too. And so for both those guys to be as focused as they were, I think is pretty cool. And I, I think that actually does mean something. I mean, I, that's fair. Um, let's see if it lasts. I think I'm more optimistic with that on RJ than I am with Randall. Um, RJ was adjusting a lot last year. Um, Randall, to me, your role was reduced because or you had less pressure offensively because of Brunson. There were fewer excuses last year, but you know, it's one game. It's a welcome sign. Um, I still don't really trust Randall in double teams. Um, I didn't love his reads there. Um, but, um, but I mean, I, I think going back to what you were saying about DiVincenzo, um, you know, I think that once you, you know, if you remove all the rhetoric around, he's going to take minutes from Grimes, he's going to take minutes from IQ and all of the, the kind of fear mongering. Um, you could see, and that's, that was what probably pissed me off the most about the Sims minutes. Or the Sims at the four minutes. I would have loved to see more of Jericho Sims at the five. Was that like that unit, especially you pair them with like that, those two guys together, even like you could see they were constant movement off each other. You know, one guy would pass Karina away, keep moving. The other guy would kind of make a quick decision. Like whenever quickly in, in DiVincenzo and when they were on the court with Grimes, um, or, or, or RJ, like you could see that, um, these like you're added you added another quick decision maker who's gonna amplify quickly and and I think that part of the by I think quickly is good with the starters. He's been one of the best teammates for Randall, but you do see that when he plays with them, his game is a little bit different. He's more of a floor spacer or an attacking scorer, but everything is slowed down. And that's just the nature of the Knicks starting lineup. Um but you know when he got to um when he got to play with um, DiVincenzo or when he's had to play with the bench in, 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 in previous years, right. With, with McBride, with, uh, you know, Obi, obviously Obi and him had great chemistry when he plays with quick decision makers that unlocks another part of his game. That to me is very intriguing and something I'd like to follow up on. Um, so I think that to that, I saw um, what, um, you know, I, I saw what I wanted to see in terms of, you know, with DiVincenzo, he didn't shoot the ball very well. He hit a couple of nice threes at the end. Um, but do you, you know, is he going to add a different element to this team? That's that's something I think I saw. And, and the other thing is, like, you know, whenever you, you have someone like this, you have to ask. Like, or you have someone, you know, you have a clash of styles, right? The Knicks front office got this guy who's a movement shooter. He's coming from the Warriors offense, loves to move the ball. Um, you know, a bit of a freelancer on defense in the same mold as quickly. Is the Knicks offense going to mold him to them? Um, or is, you know, is he going to add another element to the Knicks offense? Um, and we saw this a little bit with Hartenstein last year. In the beginning of the last year, it was kind of, 
Hardenstein's identity, and there, there was the injury and all that, was kind of muted because he was playing the Mitchell Robinson role. But also, towards the end of the season, he started to bring his own flavor to the Knicks offense. So um, I think that the potential for both exists. I think DiVincenzo has enough kind of cachet where you let him play and he's going to be able to do some of those things. Um, you know, like I think he'll have some leeway in terms of freelancing and all of that. Um, and I'm sure with him being the free agent acquisition, like the Knicks probably told Tibbs, like, you know, the front office probably told Tibbs, you know, he has to be allowed to freelance a little bit. But I think that everything I was expecting to see from IQ and DiVincenzo, I got to see a little bit of. And the only thing really holding it back was Sims at the four. So, um, yeah, Sims at the four was an experience again for another time this this with this team and this coach. But um, I have kind of just like again, I just I just think that that is some weird tips thing where Hart wasn't playing, so he just decided, okay, well, this is my chance to give Sims a chance there, try that out. Um, <clears throat> I am curious to see what happens in the next preseason game. Theoretically, we should have... I mean, not theoretically. I mean, we should have Hart back unless somebody gets hurt in, you know, like a practice or something. But if Hart's back, like it, it will be very concerning then if Sims sees minutes at the floor, especially in like the first half. If he does it in the second half because, he's you know, he's going to rest Hart or rest RJ or whatever, like... That's fine as some kind of like weird fail safe option he wants to try. But if he does it when we're still in like the portion of the game where we should be playing our normal nine man rotation, that will be very, very concerning. Um, <clears throat> because I don't see any upside with that. There's no upside with that Sims lineup at the four, right? There, what is the upside of that? Like the upside is what is Sims or Mitch or Hartenstein? Any of those guys are going to suddenly become shooters. Or are like especially the one with him and Mitch is brutal, where it's like these guys are literally just vertical rim running lob threats, and that's it. There's nothing else uh, that they do on the floor. So I, I don't know that one. Uh, definitely is something to watch, but I'm not that concerned about it. But like, yeah, it's just it's odd. Um, well, I mean, I think that they have to be prepared though for games where. Barrett isn't going to play because, or sorry, where Hart isn't going to play because I want to see what can can RJ hold up at the four, right? Especially against a team yesterday that doesn't really have a lot of big options there. So, you know, I would have liked to see some minutes of like quickly Dante Grimes, RJ. You know, yeah, but like that's kind of my point is that even if if Hart is out. I think like the main takeaway from this is is if Hart is out, is he really gonna do this again? Like we can't just play an eight man rotation, especially against that Celtics team that was on the floor yesterday. Like who was gonna kill you with size exactly on that team? Like who was who were you so mortified about? Like man, I really hope we can physically match up with this guy. I, I don't really get that. I, I don't I don't see it. Um, so like that is probably that is if there is a concern, that's the one because it's like. I think that was totally a matchup, given the lineups that are playing, that you could have 
100% gone quickly, Deuce, Grimes, RJ, center. Like, I, I don't think you needed at least try it. The fact that he, wouldn't, he didn't even try it at any point is a little concerning. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. So definitely something to keep an eye on um, because that should be an option. It shouldn't be like the default is, well, Hart's not here, so I got to play Sims at the fourth. If, again, if that's something that he was just trying out because you need to, sure, fine. Um, there's just no, there's no upside with that group, given their kind of like their skill sets. You know, it's just, it's just not there. So, I mean, it's, and it's not, it's not even just their skill sets, right? Like, what team in the current NBA does that? Like, there is no team that. I mean, the Pistons tried it last year a little bit with like Wiseman and Duran lineups, and guess what? They're not doing it anymore. So just stop doing that. It doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, they tried. I mean, they tried. They had some answers prepared. They were trying to use Jericho as a screener, but there was one play early on where quickly had, you know, he's posting up on Pritchard. He had his back to Pritchard, and you know, they had Sims at the three point line and Divincenzo in the corner, and quickly got to the middle and he drew Sims's defender to him, or he drew like Divincenzo's defender to him by a step. And normally that read is like, all right, it's an op- like it's an open kickout. He kicks it out to DiVincenzo. So quickly kicking out to DiVincenzo in the corner should be money for that unit. We we that is we can't do that's much a high, better than that. That that's one of the best shots that unit is going to get. Yeah, but the Sim, the Sims defender was so unburdened, he was immediately there. So DiVincenzo had to pump fake. He got to the rim, but then again, um, you know, Mitch is already at the rim, so it doesn't make some for, sense for Sims to crash. Um, and so DiVincenzo didn't get a clean rim look. He ends up kicking out to RJ again, and there's a shot clock violation. So, and, and, you know, no one's fault. It's just, those are like any, and that, that again, I mean, Boston is a well-coached team. It's a good defense that they have a good, I'm sure even their, you know, their backups are, are very, uh, well-trained. So I'm not going to say that I'm not, I'm, I'm going to give Boston credit, but those are just the challenges you deal with, right? Um, I do, I am curious, you know, some of the backups, um, you know, let's, uh, let's start with Deuce. Deuce had a rough shooting night. You know, there's, you know, what are kind of your thoughts on, cause I, I it, it is interesting. It's, we don't, we don't like talking about this cause we don't want to trade quickly. At some point, the fact that, you know, I, I think that if you're very high on quickly, you have to be open to the idea that when the star trade happens, other teams are probably also going to be high on him and going to want him. And the Knicks have accumulated a lot of guards. Um, you know, one of them is overseas. Another one of them is Deuce McBride. I don't think Deuce can ever be a replacement quickly in the sense that I just don't see him ever becoming that kind of creator. But I do think, you know, once we, if we have to get rid of quickly or Grimes, right? Or, or one of these guys who brings some of the stuff. You know, what did you see from McBride? Did anything change in your opinion from what you saw yesterday? I know a lot of people are down on his offense. I thought he had some nice takes. I've, I've, I still believe in the shooting. I don't think there's really any form issues. But uh, let's start with McBride. You know, now that we're talking about some of the, you know, I mean, did you want to talk about any of the main guys before? Like, I think that the I mean, main not, guys not for really. me, it was, was syllabus week, right? That's just that you're yeah, not going to learn much about that. Yeah, I don't um, really care about the main guys. Um, no, I thought, I thought Deuce like. Again, the defense is really good. I thought, especially it was really funny, actually, in the fourth quarter when, again, Boston put in, like, the super scrubs. Um, that I don't know who the hell was running point for them. Every single time he brought the ball up the floor and tried to run a pick and roll, 
he went absolutely nowhere. Like he could never get any separation. I don't even know if he got into the paint a single time. Deuce just completely locked him up. And obviously, like against actual NBA players, even a guy as good as Deuce will not be able to just totally keep a guy like teams out of the paint. But <clears throat> that just serves as an example of just like quite how dominant of a defender he can be at times. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see his passing again in the fourth. Like, forget, forget the. This is the problem with Deuce, right? He's neither the shooter right now nor the ball handler to consistently draw defenders to leverage his passing. Because actually, as a passer, I think he's a better passer than Quickly is. I think he's got more passes in, like, the variety of passes he can throw. He was a much better quarterback. So Yeah, he's a much better lob passer. I think he's better passing with his offhand than we've seen from Quickly. Like, he's got more passing ability. But this is something that I always go back to, like, I remember from the Frank Nielakina days is like, I think Frank's a great passer. Guess what? Frank has no gravity. So most of the time, it doesn't matter that he's a really good pick and roll passer because he's just not creating the openings to lev- to make that ability matter so much. And so with Deuce, until like he can create those opportunities for himself because his handle just is not, it's either not there or he's not confident enough in using it. And sometimes I think it's the former, but then sometimes I think it's the latter. Because I'm like, I'll watch him get into the paint all of a sudden and just go for a life. And I'm like, wait, where did that just come from? Like, do that. Like, do that more. What? Why? Why are you so hesitant to do that? And he takes so long to bring the ball up and set the fucking play up. I'm like, why are you walking the ball up? We're not in West Virginia, dude. Like, this is not Bob Huggins. This is not a 30 second fucking shot clock. Get the fucking ball up the floor. I'm not saying you got to sprint it up there. But do you know he's, who the coach of the Knicks is? I know who the coach of the Knicks is, but he will have to get the ball up the floor faster than that. It's not, it's ridiculous. Like, quickly does it. It's a, I, I highly doubt well, it's quickly has, that, has earned that trust, right? So, yeah, but, but, but right he's a, but this is the, like, you want the fucking minutes? Do you want minutes? Does Deuce McBride, you're in your third NBA season. You're basically in a contract here. Do you fucking want minutes? Be a fucking man. Let your balls drop and go get minutes then. Like, he had these yeah, possessions. Do he's, the right thing. He he's he has these possessions yesterday, where he's like, he he like is in the fourth quarter. Okay, this is your time to shine. You are the point guard. You are being empowered as the point guard. There's no question of who was running the show in that fourth quarter for the Knicks. He has these possessions where he brings the ball up and he does the Frank thing, right? Throws it to Fournier, then clears out the other side of the floor, and then even if the possession stalled out on that side. He's not aggressively going there to go get the ball. You're the point guard. Go get the ball there. Go get the ball. Go make something happen. Stop deferring to a fucking, the corpse of Evan Fournier on the floor with you. Like, that's the shit that I want to see from him. And that's the shit that I wanted to see from him last year. Even in G League, we were talking about this. And at least in G League, I was like, all right, well, maybe, maybe they just want to see Grimes more, right? Maybe, maybe that's what that is. But like, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Summer League. But like, Yesterday is just like I'm like that's like how many opportunities is Deuce McBride gonna have to run point for an entire quarter? How many opportunities is he gonna have? He's not gonna have. He, he's gonna barely have any this year. Even if Jalen Brunson misses two weeks, let's say let's say Jalen Brunson misses a month. Hopefully, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But let's say that did happen. How many minutes a game would you bet that Tom Thibodeau 
allows Deuce McBride to run point. And not just run point, but like, like clearly be the guy that everybody's depending on to organize and initiate the offense. I would say like maybe Four two five. minutes a game. Maybe two minutes a game. Because as soon as they have like one possession that stalls out, he's going to get quickly on or get RJ on or get Randall on and the offense will run through them immediately. Like you have got to take the opportunities if you're him right now. This is your chance. And I, I don't give it like it was good to see him shoot as much as he did. I'll say that. Like that was good to see because we know the one thing Tibbs cannot abide by is like a guy passing up on open shots, right? He didn't do that. But you've got to do more than take open shots. You've got to create shots. That's where he's at in his career. It's your third league. It's your third year in the league. And you're a fucking guard. You're a 6-2 guard. Like, you have to do more than just run the offense. Like, oh, I just, I swung it to Fournier and they're going to run something here and I'll go clear out to their side. Like, no, you've got to get into the paint. You've got to create. And like, to be fair to him, he did a little bit more than the fourth, especially towards the end of it. But like, I need to see more than what we saw yesterday. These are the opportunities you have. Take them. Like, I mean, how is... many, did he get many minutes without the two big tandem? He had, he was facing the same constraints as quickly, right? Okay. Quickly still well, fucking did shit. Well, yeah, but he's I'm, we, okay. if that's the expectation, quickly's you know a player take, who's going to get take six, twenty million take dollars. Take six pull threes. Take six pull threes. What's going to happen? He's going to bench you. He's going to bench you in preseason? He took four threes. He, he was over. Yeah, four. they weren't. Are they, are you, how many pull up threes did he take? They're mostly catch and shoot. Yeah. I think yeah. he took at least one. Take the fucking pull up three. That's the that's your game. That is This guy, in, I'm watching him in G League. He looks like Steph Curry. I understand you're not going to translate what he does in G League to like anything in the NBA. But play like it. Like, have you ever seen Emily Boiler Room? Yeah. Act as if. Act yeah, as if. Like, if that's you don't got a jump shot, you're. You're what is it? You're slinging crack rock, or yeah. does that sound like, like like I don't? I, you're not <laughs> Steph Curry in the NBA, but act as if you're Steph Curry in the NBA when you're playing fucking I don't know, whoever the hell was like it was like Coach Carter's fucking school out there for the Celtics. That's just because like, Peyton Pritchard looks like uh, yeah. what's his name, Channing Tatum. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the only reason you're saying. That. Yeah, but but like it was. It's just like come on, like let, let's see a little bit more here. You got to see a little more. And I think actually in that fourth quarter there were some. There was some of it where he actually got like, not that it was great spacing, right? But it's like Nathan Knight at the four, who is more of a four than Jericho Sanders. Jacob Toppin, who we, we should talk yeah. about. But yeah, good, sorry. Yeah, so I'm just like, I'm not saying the spacing was amazing or immaculate, but it was a little bit better and just like a little bit more natural. Well, I'm, I'm saying if, well, I think I think if quickly is playing that team with a normal four, he's going for 30. He literally went against for 38 against their starters last year, right? He ended up with 21 on, like, a ho-hum night. So, like, grading on that curve, I do not think Deuce, Deuce does not need to prove to me that he's Emmanuel quickly. He needs to – I think that there was, um, you know, no, with but better – he needs to prove – like, you're – what is he? He's a six one six two guard? Right? He's still a highly impactful player. Maybe, maybe he's just I, Javon I'm Carter, you know? That. I'm, not, I'm not denying that he's yeah, an You wanted to player. see more in terms of growth. And but like, I, I think maybe he's, he's – that he's is a, never going to be there. He doesn't, I understand, like, you, but that's your opportunity to just do shit. And, like, again, if Tibbs is not going to, that's, like, the one situation he will ever have. That's the one situation he'll ever have where he could fucking turn the ball over three times, go 0 for 6, and Tibbs is probably just going to leave him out there. 
the one time you're going to have that opportunity. There's no reason to waste it deferring to Evan fucking Fournier, who literally, again, it was only on the roster for expiring salary. Like, that's that's what my frustration but with But he also has to be is. able to show, show that he can make the right play, right? I mean, this is... Right, it's not but that's not him idea. making the right play. That wasn't him make, throwing it to Fournier and clearing up the other side of the floor and then standing around while him and Jericho Sims are running the worst two-man game possible is not running... That's not running the show. That's not running the offense. That's not making the right decision. That's just deferring. That And that's... That is, uh, to use one of my favorite terms, that's the dereliction of duty if you're a point guard. Like, your job is to get the Why team... Why derelict my ball? Yes, man. <laughs> but, like, that's, that is that is your job. Like, this was the thing that... And and to be fair, like, I used to kind of excuse this with Frank, right? Because I like Frank. But, like, I like Deuce, but I learned from my mistake. Like, no, you've got to show more. You, This is your job. Do more than this. And so, like, I just need to see him take more control in the situations where he needs to. Like, because that is what, like, you know, whatever you want to say about Tibbs, right? We saw this in Chicago. We've seen this. We saw this in Minnesota, too. Like, if he has to go to his third point guard, he'll do it. And if that third point guard is willing to, like, actually get into the paint and create, he'll let them. He will let them do it. That's what he wants them to do. And, I'm, like, Deuce is not going to, you know, he's not going to be Nate Robinson or whatever the fuck on offense. But, like, you got to use the run a high pick and roll. Just run like tell fucking Fournier to clear out to the corner, okay? And just call Sims fucking call him up and run a high pick and roll. What is the worst that's going to happen? You're going to have to pick up your dribble and pass it anyway. Okay, but give yourself those opportunities. Give yourselves those reps. And so like that's that's it. Like I just want Deuce to be more like you know, like take more control of a situation where again, like you're in your third year, you're in a contract year. I'm not saying you're playing for your NBA livelihood, but you are playing for a contract right now. So, like, understand that and and take advantage of the opportunities you have. Like, to me, yesterday was I saw some nice passing. I saw, you know, I I like that he made a mid range pull up in the fourth quarter. Whatever, I like that he he took the shots that he should take. But yesterday, to me, feels like just like a lost, a missed opportunity for him. Like that was a that's a missed opportunity. That like I I don't know if you remember this. I remember when. Quickly, he he when he first got into the game is in preseason his rookie year, and like I don't even know if he played the first game we had. No, he didn't. No, that was yeah. that was the beginning of history. <laughs> yeah, he didn't play the first game. Then he got into the second game, and you could immediately tell like he's a different not, talent. Yeah, he's a different. He's and he's maybe he's got a different confidence, but that's that's kind of what you need to be right. Is like I don't think I don't I'm, I don't think quickly came in at that point. It was just hijacking the offense. But he came in and was like, okay, I'm open from three. I'm going to take this shot. We had oh. seven assists his first game, too. He was just um, he's just more instinctive as a playmaker than yeah. so anyone I just, on the Knicks roster. Yeah, you just, you just need Deuce to, like, again, it doesn't need to be to the same level because I don't think he's going to be the same level of player that quickly is. But you've got to take advantage of your opportunities when they're there. And that was, to me, again, just a missed opportunity for him. And that's really I, frustrating. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think where I probably am – where I probably maybe don't sound the alarm, I I don't see Deuce being the focal point of an offense like ever. Yeah, never, um, to your never. point, it can happen under tips, you know, in, in break glass in case of emergency situations. I see him being as like a Javon Carter or a Patrick Beverly and Marcus. I, I think Marcus Smart was the ceiling I had for him coming out of college. I probably so just just a really annoying player. 
That's that's your comparison. Did you watch what he did to Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what he was, right? I mean, I don't. I think he's a much more likable. If or you're saying like personality wise, he seems. Yeah. He seems very mellow. Like every guy in that mold, Pat Beverly or Marcus Smart, is kind of a tool, and like Deuce just seems like a like a nice guy. But um, I, I like for me, it's like running the offense. I've kind of been on the that ship of sail thing. If he can shoot forty percent from three and give that defense, like he'll have a role. Um, so like yeah, like I don't see him ever being the backup point guard. I think if they trade quickly, it's gonna they bring Yokobitis over. Um, if do survives that trade then or sorry remains on the Knicks in that trade um you know I think he's more of a shooting guard and because he, he's big enough to guard wings like there's not real or, or shooting guards you know you don't mind him playing next to another point guard especially the ones the Knicks have so I think that's why I'm probably less alarmed but to your point yeah like we're just not seeing evidence and it's year three that this guy can can really be a creator right he can he is he a good connector yes let me throw this back to you though you know, based on, and I, it might be tough to recall or, or you know, draw one-to-one or, you know, there's going to be some recency bias or whatever. How would you compare how you felt about Frank in his third year versus Deuce? <clears throat> um, well, I'll say this, like, I think I learned a lot from Frank in the sense of, like, if it's not going to happen, like, if it's going to happen, sorry, if it's going to happen, it probably would have happened by a certain point in time. And if he if he hasn't shown certain level of skills by your third year, then you know probably it probably won't happen for you. Like so, it's what it is. Um, it, it's but like to 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 answer your question, kind of in relation to Deuce, like I I think what what I remember is like I still thought Frank had the potential to be a pretty solid point guard. I don't think I harbored any feelings anymore that he would be some kind of like awesome high level guard. I think I, I also the thing is I always and I I mean not that I still feel like but like I always felt Frank had more avenues as a player just because he's bigger. So like you can put him into more lineups. So if your role like if Deuce is going to just be like an off ball guard effectively that has to play off of creators. That's fine. There's definitely situations for him. Um, one of them could be the Knicks, sure. But, like, there's less lineups that he's slots into. If Frank could shoot 36, 37% from three on decent volume, like, he would be able to play a shit ton of minutes because he can play, he can defend. It's like, it's not play, right? It's how many positions can you defend? And Frank can defend legitimately one to three. And honestly, like, he can defend a lot of fours because he's just a big ass dude. Deuce can defend one to two, max. You don't think three? And there, I no. I think there are threes that would abuse it. Strong like, as fuck. He is strong as fuck, but that's just a huge size mismatch. Like, come on, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's going to destroy him. Like, and I'm not saying obviously the average, the average three is not Jimmy well, Butler. But, but like, but, yeah, even Cade. They had to, they put in Alec Burks for him on Cade because Cade yeah. was shooting over him as a rookie. Right. So, so like it, it, these are the things that limit him and so I, I think you're he, overstating Frank's ability there a little bit but I, I get where you're coming from and yeah I don't think you're wrong necessarily but yeah I just think like well I I, I mean the the ceiling or the the peaks that Deuce has had defensively 
I would say, like, at least in terms of impact, are probably higher than Franks overall. Yeah, like, I mean, he yeah. fucking destroyed so, Donovan Mitchell in a playoff game. That's right. That's pretty high. So, so to me, like that is meaningful. But he also has he has to hit a higher threshold offensively than Frank did. Not that Frank hit it, but like he has to hit a higher threshold offensively than Frank did because he's going to like he can't play in as many lineups. Simple as that. Yeah, um, I am. I actually disagree. Just because I think shooting was is going to be the make or break thing, and I'm just way higher on Deuce's shooting ability than Frank's, and he showed more as a pull up guy. I like his form better. I think it's quicker release. I think a lot of his percentage issues are just due to a lack of sample size. Um, and um, I also think he's just a little bit more. I actually like his point of attack defense better. I yeah, think they're both good off ball defenders. Like and I think so. Like I think the things that he's very good at, I believe in him being very. Like I think his best traits. Someone said this about Mitch yesterday, and I, I think this is this is the best quote. I forgot who it was. I think it might have been Jaded on Twitter, or I don't remember who it was. But they said the things that Mitchell Robinson is it's good Ariel. at. Ariel. It was Ariel. Yeah. yeah. The thing that Mitchell Robinson is good at, he is elite at. Right. Um, and <laughs> that was like I've never. That was like, yeah, that's it, right? He does. Uh, he has a very specific set of skills, right? Um, but he, but those are he's great at that. That I think applies to Deuce. I think he is an elite point of attack defender. I would put him on the level of guys like Smart or Drew. Why not, right? Smart Drew Holiday. Like, why would I? Like, he didn't get the respect from the refs, probably. But other than that, his lateral movement, his hands, his agility, his ability to do that really without fouling. He's gotten into foul trouble at times, but. That often seems to be rookie stuff. Um, and I like his shot better than Frank. Um, I think Frank was probably, to your point, because of the length, a little bit more positionally versatile. Like guard wings. You could throw him at a guy like Jason Tatum. But, um, but I think there's a very easy role for me to envision with Deuce. That's, um, and it's, it's partly because he's a little more unique in that, uh, in that sense, right? Um, whereas, you know, Frank, for all the, you know, the benefits of having a guy with a seven foot wingspan and six five, um, you know, who, with with good feel, th- that's not a that's not as unique an uh, I think an archetype as the level of point of attack defender deuces. And if the shooting that we saw in college that we've seen in the G League, that it looks like you can surmise from the form, and I haven't done the the Prez Zapruder analysis. That's probably a topic you should have with him on the pod, um, but. Um, you know, I think that um, that would be why I, I would probably be higher on him at this point. Yeah, I mean, anyway, I still on a team too, and I think both will be ten-year pros. So, yeah, I mean, Deuce just has to shoot better. Like, I, I don't really know how much there is to comment on that other than that. Like, if he's going to shoot, it's just got to happen at some point. Like, a why guy that's going to shoot the ball, don't you want to go to your hole? A guy that's going to shoot well, look that. Those first two air balls were ridiculous. Like, come on, man. What are we doing here? Like, that that first one especially was insane. Um, and it's like, I'm not saying, oh, it's over for him, but come on. Like, at some point, you got to, like, the guy shoots too many ugly threes for somebody who's supposed to be a good shooter. Like, it's just got to happen at some point. So, I'm, that's all I'm, like, that's on him. He's either going to make shots or he's going to miss them, and we'll see what happens. But, Maybe his I don't palms think there's are all... sweaty. Maybe. Maybe. 
I mean, it sure looked like he was passing it to Evan Fournier yesterday. But, like, yeah, it's just it's either, he's either going to do it or he's not. Like, I, I don't really know what else there is to say about that. It's just he's got to make it happen for himself. No one else can, no one else can do it. And, he, and he's not going to be, like, some dynamic dribble-drive guy. So it's not like he has another avenue uh, to really, like, establish himself offensively. Yeah, and that so, sense yeah. it is a narrow avenue, but I, I, I would put a high probability on it. Uh, moving on, so the so if I told you this offseason that you were gonna hear Alley Oop to Toppin in a Knicks game this season for the Knicks, what would you have said? Um very surprising that Obi's still on the team. <laughs> uh well we saw we saw his brother, Jacob Toppin. Uh, did some things. Uh, Tibbs had some in- interesting comments, um, you know, about uh, that, and you know, a lot of the, you know, Obi has been become, I guess, polarizing topic on shit. Even between me and you, I guess, <laughs> not polarizing so much as, um, you know, but um, you know, it, Tibbs said, you know, Obi was probably a more advanced offensive player, probably a little more athletic, and yeah, probably he probably was a little bit more advanced offensively. National Player of the Year, yeah, he probably was, and I mean, and he's probably one of the best athletes in the NBA vertically for sure, uh, and runs like a deer. Um, but you know, said Jacob was a little bit, you know, further along defensively, or he just said Jacob's a good defense player. I think that quote has gotten too much, whatever, in the things. But um, yeah, I'm curious, what did you think of Jacob Toppin? Do you think that's a guy who can maybe earn minutes this year? Or? Um, I don't think he's going to earn minutes this year. Can Aaron roster spot? I actually would hope so because I thought the way he moved, like at his size, was so. Is Obi a better athlete than him? Definitely, like no question. If you're just saying overall athleticism, but what I thought was interesting with Jacob was like he seems to move better laterally. He seems more fluid in that sense. Like he had some plays yesterday where he was kind of dribbling up in transition, and. <clears throat> He never felt like he was going to get all the way to the rim, and he didn't. But it also felt like he was more capable of kind of navigating laterally in ways that Obi never was off the dribble. And um, I thought that was intriguing. His defensive instincts, for sure, seem more natural and better, which I, I want to find the quote because I, I did think like people went a little bit crazy with it, but I don't think it was like totally insane. Um, to like, to 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 take something from what Tibbs said. This is what he said. Obi's probably a little more athletic, but Jacob's pretty athletic as well. Obi's probably a little more gifted right now, further down the road offensively. But but Jacob is a good defensive player right now. Which okay, I mean, take that for what it is. Um, but I would agree. Like, I mean, I know this level of competition wasn't good. But I thought his defense was good. He didn't jump around. He wasn't like trying to shoot passing lanes, getting out of position. He seemed to make the right rotations as a help defender. He seemed to be a good actual like presence at the rim. And I thought even offensively, like he his shot looks pretty bad right now. But he always tended to be in the right place, which is probably more important than the actual output at this moment in time. I know he's a little bit older, like Obi, I think he's 23 when he came in the league. But I would, he to me is like, I've seen Isaiah Roby play, 
You know, I, I would much rather roster Jacob Toppin than than Isaiah Roby. I'd much rather keep him in the G League, you know, give him a two way or sign him to an Exhibit Ten or whatever the fuck you want to do. But like, I would probably like to keep that guy around in the organization, give him an opportunity to develop and maybe revisit what he is in a year because there is stuff there with him, like the size and the athleticism that is at least intriguing. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, and when we say he's not as athletic as Obi, that's not to say he's not a very athletic player. He just uh, doesn't he's not vertically the same way, and he doesn't run the same Well, no, who does, right? Who does yeah. in the NBA? <laughs> so I think he's still one of the best athletes of the Knicks. Uh, you know, you saw from the alley he's clearly got vertical gravity. I think his lateral quickness is a little bit better than Obi, and that was really the, that's the thing. I don't think, it, I think it's significantly better, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and and, and he, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the high hips, right? So like he seems at least logically, not that we saw it yesterday, but like you would think that he's probably got a little better chance if guys are trying to back him down of of holding his position or making it tougher on them, and also moving backwards and forwards and drop coverage, right? If he yeah. does, he's not gonna he like the he's only six seven, so you know he probably him at the five is probably even less of a. Yeah. And a thing than Obi, um, but what I like, I, I like, yeah, at least understand. Well, he's also if he's going to do that, he needs to get up to. You need to to get in the gym with with Big Omar. But um, you know, I, I think that um, he he's um, you know, and I think that this is the other thing. Like Obi, as much as we kind of, I think we disagree on his defense. I will say this. I thought his feel on defense was always very good. He has very good instincts. Like, Obi is one of the, the more cerebral and really smart players. Uh, you know, to the extent that I think he could maximize his abilities, he came pretty close to that here on defense. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, if there's reason to believe in the same... I haven't watched enough Jacob to, to make that statement because Obi was a really smart player. I thought Jacob was generally in the right place yesterday. A tough thing to do in preseason. You just have training camp. Everyone's raw, and you know you know haven't really seen the NBA speed and all of that. Um, but I, I think that um, he'd be—he's an interesting guy, and, and he's the kind of guy we wanted, right? Six seven, six eight guy with some length. You know, can he play the three one day? That that'd be interesting to see. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that um, I think that that you know he was he was a guy, and then you know with Nathan Knight, was there anything you took away from him? Um, not especially. I, I mean, I've seen him in the NBA. I've seen him I, weirdly. I feel like I've seen him play most, like a lot of his minutes from Minnesota that he got. I kind of like him. Like he's see, he, he, he's strong. I'm not going to say he's an amazing athlete, but he's a good athlete for a four. Uh, I think he's played five as well at times. And yeah, I, I just, I think there's stuff there with him. Like, I think there's an interesting dude there. Was he 25 or something? He's not super young, but he's not like a guy where there's absolutely no upside to be had. Um, it's just a matter of can he cash in on it, which, I mean, who knows? He's not going to get much playing time here in all likelihood. Obviously, we know that fours for Tibbs, uh, tough to get minutes <laughs> ahead of Julius Randle. But, like, I, I don't know. I just kind of like he's a good rebounder. He's strong. I would. I actually wish they'd played him more yesterday. To be honest, like I wanted to see more. I would have liked to see him get more of some of those Jericho Sims 
four minutes. Uh, more more than Jacob Toppin, because I, I can kind of understand how maybe you'd be hesitant because you're like, well, he's kind of raw, and um, we don't know if he can kind of like, we, we don't want to disrupt the flow of things right now. Sure, whatever. But like, I think Nathan Knight looks like he can, like he, I mean, he's played NBA ball. He's been around the league now for a while. I think he was, wasn't he like a really good scorer in college or something, Nathan Knight? Um, I don't remember what it was, but like, he's just again somebody I would have liked to see a little bit more of him at the four. Not that I think he's a he's a floor spacer, but there's some there's a big difference between what he is offensively and Jericho Sims. And well, some kind um, of threat, right? Where they can't just leave yeah. you alone. And it's tough because Mitch is also if it was a center again, if it was Hardenstein, that that you you brought this up before. I think Mitch and Sims is probably even a little bit worse than Sims and Hardenstein, right? Because Hardenstein can move around, he can pass a little bit. It's still probably too constricting, but yeah, any guy who's a little bit more of a threat, either off the ball or um, with the ball, you know, with the ball or you know, being able to catch catch and shoot or you know something, right? But Sims, you know, Sims <coughs> took one jumper yesterday, and I actually his jumper doesn't look awful, but he's a bad free throw shooter. You have to assume it's not in his bag. It's something so, with his. It's something when it comes off, like it all looks good until he finally releases it and it's like it almost feels like it rolls off his wrist or something it's so odd it's like it's like he lets it like roll down his hand and then he pushes it off his wrist it's very weird yeah um but i mean that's probably not going to be a thing and if he can't shoot i mean how many fours in the league can't shoot the other one that, barnes. i mean <laughs> yeah scotty barnes one but like most of the ones that can't are like playing with the five. Like so, Vanderbilt would be one, right? Yeah. So like Vanderbilt can't really shoot at all, but he can play the four next to AD. Even though AD is not a three-point shooting threat, really, but there's just more space there for him to operate. Mobley, I guess, would be another. But yeah, and even know. with Vanderbilt, even with Vanderbilt, it's not like a super easy thing. I mean, he played with Cat, which worked obviously because Cat has real gravity outside the arc, but. Yeah, it's even for him, right? It's hard. It's it's not easy even if you're playing with a floor stretching five. So it's just really tough. I mean, the other the the best example is Draymond, but that's its own like insane thing. It's just none of these guys are gonna be Draymond. And none and unfortunately, like I as much as I love Emmanuel quickly and love Jalen Brunson and love all I don't think anybody that we have is necessarily gonna be uh, Steph Curry either. So I remember I said that on on Lockdown Knicks and I got oof. <laughs> Um. Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree with that. No, I, I think that they have a couple of intriguing guys at the bottom of the, the roster. Uh, you know what? Those um, are the two that, like, I think those two. I think we have three open roster spots. If you put a gun in my hand, we're like, who would you pick just based on merit? I would probably, I would pick was Duquan, Daquan Jeffries, Nathan Knight, and Jacob Toppin. Those would be my choices. But my guess is one will be Archie, and then they'll probably take Nathan Knight. And they will take, I'll say Jeffries because I think Tibbs likes him. So that oh. will be my guess. And then but I they think have a Toppin family connection. I mean, they still have good. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Toppin will stick, but he'll be like in a, in the G League or some some capacity. Yeah, they might. It might be easier for them to keep him. I um, Jeffries has other NBA interests too. That's part of it. Like the King, I know Kings fans really liked him when he was on the team. Um. So in terms of game two. <clears throat> Anything you are looking for that you want to see? 
Uh, just the heart at the four minutes. That's it. That's really all I care about. He's I out. Really a... RJ, he won't be out. He... Yeah, whoever. I mean, if if he's out, then yes, RJ the four. Then we need to see that for that game. But like, he shouldn't be out. He's supposed to be. I mean, he was healthy last night. They said he just didn't play because he didn't play. So maybe it's a rest thing. Um, but he should be ready to go on Friday. That's what I'm ready to see. Like, I'm ready to see hard at the four and then pick the three guys you want to see him with. But I'm ready to see that. When when Randall's on the floor, I see hard at the four. How would you, how do you think it is going to work out if he has to guard, you know, a Bobby Portis at the four? You know, um, Jared Vanderbilt or, or someone like a maybe Vanderbilt's an easier thing, but someone like Portis or one of these bigger fours. And, and I think to your to the point that a lot of people have made, there aren't a whole lot of those where, um, or I, I, you know, I still agree with kind of that. But how do you think they handle that? Do they play Randall a ton of minutes? Do you think they go with Sims? Do you think you know they they try a guy like Toppin or Knight, or do you think that Hart can survive a matchup like that? I think Hart will be fine there. Like if if a team wants to post. Portis, if the, if Milwaukee wants to post Portis to death on us, I will gladly do that. Great, great. You want to take the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands or Giannis's hands well, this would be to their feed bet. Bobby Portis? <clears throat> yeah, but presumably one of them will be on the floor for most of that time. Like, okay, if you want to do that, great. I'm very, very happy to to allow you to to make that happen. But <clears throat> no, I'm not. I'm not, I've not been worried about that at all. I've been like completely okay with the potential size mismatch that you're giving up, I don't think it matters. I really don't. Like, I don't think there are a lot of forwards that can actually punish you for it. And um, it's, 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 it's like, we see this around the league. There's so many teams that don't play some traditional four at the four. Like, we, I, I mean, even Draymond, I strong, like, Draymond's a strong guy. He's bigger than Hart, but he's what? He's, they list him at six seven, whatever the hell he is, and I know his wingspan is crazy. But like, you clearly can get away with playing Josh Hart at the four for 12, 13 minutes a night. And you have RJ there too. Like, however you want to split those duties, I don't think that's going to kill you. If that is, the, if that's what sinks this team, I would be shocked. I'd be shocked because, like, did anybody think that Obi just being as big as he was was such a huge advantage for us last year? I didn't. In the way he was used, I didn't think so. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just um, it'll be interesting because I think I do think a guy like Portis can be very effective against Hart. I, I do wonder. I just hope we're not enticed into going with Sims or something like that, or um, you know, or, or you know, or if there's other options. There's the, the possibility of foul trouble, those kind of things. So uh, we'll definitely be interesting to see how they handle it. Yeah. No, that'll definitely be interesting. <clears throat> um, was there anything that you saw? I mean, I, I we barely talked about this, and I don't really know how real this is because it was in like a lot of it was in crunch time, or, or not crunch time, but a lot of it was in the fourth quarter. Um, did you see any noticeable differences with the offense? I didn't see anything that I saw that was noticeable, but in the fourth, what I did like is how much they went through Hartenstein as a facilitator, which is something that like we talked about last season as why aren't we leaning into this more? They should lean into that more. And um, yesterday we saw that a bit more. I do think that's a natural consequence to a, to a degree of just like <clears throat> that lineup. Yeah, that lineup. But 
I do hope that's something that is in their minds as a like strategic option for them because you can get more value from Hartenstein than we even got last year. And he was really good for us last year. And um, it also just gives you another way to attack a defense rather than running, you know, 7,000 pick and rolls for your point guard or pistol action for RJ or ISO Julius. Yeah. And I think there's, um, it's all the counters you can build off of that, right? On the surface, it's like, well, you know, I can run a pick and roll with quickly, but all right, let's say they have to worry about the pick and roll to quickly. And you look like you're setting that up and you set it up and then quickly throws an entry pass at the high post to Parnstein and then he darts off ball, right? Um, now you now you have a defense worried about, well, you have the, the DHO as a possibility or quickly rejects it and goes the other way and, and um, Hardenstein can hit him with the pocket pass or, you know, he kind of fans out to three or he goes and sets the screen. There's a lot of things you can do off of that, which they didn't really explore that as much yesterday. Um, but those are the kinds of things where, and that's, that's, I think, people complain about the Knicks offense not being complex. But I don't think it will have to be for most of the regular season. Where it comes into is, um, you know, where it co- where it really comes down to is, you know, your your year one they they just got to the playoffs. That was great. They had a regression year two. Now the Knicks are an entrenched player in this space. And actually, this is to me, it's a little bit like the situation that you know we've both followed with Michigan football, where it's like. The last two years, they were worried about beating Ohio State and getting there. And now it's like, well, when you're, you know, you, you play rock, paper, scissors, when your rock is really strong, you're going to beat a lot of teams. But eventually, when you get to the, to the highest levels, you got to learn how to play paper. you got to learn how to play scissors. And that is what the Knicks will have to add. Uh, they're going to have to learn how to deal with the fact that there can be a team that can beat you even if Brunson gives you 40 and efficient 40. Um there's, I, I think the biggest answer for most people is, well, Randall will probably be better. And I actually believe that. Um, I, I know that you're probably a little more skeptical on than me on this. But ultimately, they're going to have to be able to win in different ways. This is really where the great teams kill you. The Nuggets have a million ways to kill you. They can kill you with Murray. They can kill you with Jokic at the high post. They can kill you with him in the low post. They can kill you in transition. Um, they can kill you going small. They can kill you you know, by space in the floor. Um, they can kill you on the glass. Um, all of the great teams have. So that's really where, and that's what, and that's where <laughs> you, you talk about running into the ceiling with teams. I think people talk about, oh, we have a bo-. It's not about having a boring offense. It is about can you win in multiple ways? Can you stress a defense in multiple ways? Do you have constraints on your initial actions that would lead to more constraints? And when all of that kind of one, circle of constraints that you might put on a defense is is contained can you pivot to something else how many of those pivots can you create that's really the question in terms of the offense and hartenstein to your point is a very strong candidate to be one of those i think um the other ones are i think you know using quickly and grimes more out on movement um using divincenzo as a movement shoot- just in general incorporating more movement shooting um, getting a little funky with RJ in the pistol action. I think they did some interesting things with him. I, I, I actually loved his process all game. I don't really think he made a bad decision all night. Um, he, he took one stupid pull-up three. That was it. 
Yeah, but wasn't that late in the shot clock? Or, or no, it wasn't late it was, in the shot clock. But it was that yeah. Sims Hardenstein lineup. Like everyone's taking bad shots in the lineup. Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, it's a stupid shot. But I'm like, are you really gonna get a better shot there? Maybe. And, and to your point, great. and to your point about Deuce, <laughs> I want RJ. One day, if RJ can take pull up threes, that'd be awesome. So this is the time. That, where that's like, that's like one of those things game. that I've uh, I've moved on from. Fair enough. Uh, I I haven't. I've seen it. I've seen it. I still have hope. Um, but um. But I think that's what we're really looking. I mean, to that point, what do you think is going to be? What are kind of you know some of the the wrinkles that the Knicks can add? Or you know, you mentioned Hartenstein. You know, using him top of the key to kind of set up the offense and invert the offense. Anything else that comes to mind? Um, I mean, the Knicks. I feel like they don't do this well, and some of this is it's always hard to know, like. I think it's always easy to be like, well, why doesn't Tibbs do this? But like, I would like to see, you know, Randall big pick and rolls or Randall small pick and rolls. But I also think Randall's ha- like Randall's handle, uh, Randall's handle. I don't think Randall's handle is good enough to do that a lot of times. Like especially against Smalls, where they can kind of like get under him and pick, you know, pick at it. It's just it's hard then. So like, I, I think that. I would like to see that, especially like the four or five to me is like, I do feel like there's something there. Like you should probably fuck around with that a little bit more because you would think you'd get a decent amount of space with Randall running four or five pick and roll with Grimes, Brunson, even RJ spotting up around it. Um, <clears throat> so that's probably one I would like to see a little bit more of. <clears throat> and we've seen, we've seen like one-off instances of that previously, even if it's not been consistent. Um, I mean, it hasn't been consistent. So even despite that, aside from that, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, what I like to, I'd like to see Grimes get more opportunities to run pick and rolls, but maybe Grimes is doing it in practice and it's not looking that great. And so that's why they don't do it. Could you run some pistol action for Grimes? And you know, what will he do off of that? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to answer that. But I mean, at least I'm, I'm not that high on his ball handling, to be honest. Like he, I, I'm not either. Workouts, like, it, but everyone's like, "Oh, he was a creator in college," and it's like, I think this is just he can be a great version of this player, and that's a great player. But yeah, like this whole Grimes creation package, I'm not that. Um, that I, I don't believe in it, but I'd also just like to see it, especially right now in, in the preseason. I'd like to see more of that and make that kind of like I don't want to say a focus, but at least more of a focus. Um, I'm trying to think like what else I would really like to see. We've already talked. I mean, we've talked about the hard at the four thing until you know we've talked about that all summer. So that's not really like hard or RJ at the four, right? That's not been a big one. Um, I'm curious. I'll ask this: You mentioned Randall as a pick and roll ball handler with Mitch. He's been pretty effective. It's very rarely used, but quickly just being a good screener. And when I say good, yes, the legal screener it comes from the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> book of screens, so I'll fully admit that quickly screens are probably not 100% legal. Um, but I think guard, like given the amount of shooters they have, I think that's an interesting one, right? Randall is a ball handler next to quickly, with quickly or Grimes or DiVincenzo or Brunson even screening. I don't think Brunson sets very good screens, but um, you know, you have some options there. Yeah, I, I just again, like, it's hard to like, are they using those screens off ball? Because I don't know how effective that is. Um, it can be. It definitely can be. It's just hard to know exactly how you use that as a weapon. We saw them use it in the playoffs on ball 
to create mismatches that they wanted, which really helped them out a ton against Cleveland, especially. Um, <clears throat> but like, yeah, I, I think the quickly screen stuff, I, I think I'm okay with how much he screens. Cause I, I mean, some of it is he just does it himself. He just takes it upon himself to do it. But I think that part is okay. I think maybe what I would really want, like to see is just more, I, I feel like off ball, we're always static in a way where it's like the center is in the dunker spot and the other guys are spotted up around from the, on the arc. I would like to see more screens from like, if you have a guy on the opposite wing and the guy in the opposite corner, the wing goes and screens for the corner shooter to pop out. Like stuff like that is would interest me. Like I, I think we should do more of that. And I did see a little bit of it yesterday. I mean, not that we got a lot of opportunities given some of the personnel we had out there, but there were a few instances I saw. So maybe that is something that they've worked on. But, I I mean, I don't know that, obviously. I mean, I don't don't think there's too much more. The main thing, honestly, would just be the... Can you mix and match your groupings more? Like, we know Tibbs has been quite rigid in the past about just kind of like, this is when this guy comes in for that guy. And then this guy's going to come in for that guy. And then this guy will come back in. And like, that's just how it is. But this group has a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of combinations you can throw out there. So I would like to experiment with that more. And like, you know, we'll probably get the Villanova lineup at some point, right? We'll probably get the, the young dudes lineup and we'll probably like, we'll probably get a lot of different lineups, but can he mix and match that more consistently even when it's not forced on him because of foul trouble, because of injury, because of whatever? Like, will he just do that of his own volition? That's the sh- I mean, he said it. He said it before. He said it before preseason. He said it in the past. So it's all like, I'll believe it when I see it stuff. But that is the biggest one because this personnel grouping that we have is pretty flexible. And um, it would be annoying if we didn't at least try to lean into that a little bit yeah i mean that is that's something we've been screaming about for years right everyone says this team doesn't have a star this team doesn't have a star but what they've had and then on it to be honest some of that flexibility is you know maybe you lost a little bit with ob leaving um but the strength of this team is that you have 10 guys you can put in a variety of different positions and you know, the one I don't want to see is the one we saw a lot of last week, no, yesterday. Um, I'll ask you this. I'm going to say, you know, the, the lineup, I, I've been saying this a lot. The lineup I'm most interested in seeing, especially against bench units. And one thing I did like yesterday, I hope it continues, but maybe it's just because Hart's out, but I really want to see Randall against benches. Um, I think you need to stagger Randall and Brunson. Um, I think Brunson has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is going to get his. He is going to have you are as long as Brunson's on the floor, starters, bench, whoever it is, you're gonna have an effective offense. Um Randall's the guy that can really benefit from going against the bench relatively. And then what do you want? You want to do surround him with shooters. You want to surround him with passers and the guys who can get him into transition. So a IQ DiVincenzo Grimes Randall. I don't care who the big is. I think when I brought this up on the Discord, people were like, ah, oh, you probably want um, Hartenstein because he's more passing or whatever in that lineup. Fine. But, like, I don't care who the, like, 
put Mitch next to or put Randall next to one of our bigs, quickly grimes DiVincenzo. I do not know how you guard Julius Randall that lineup. Um, I think that lineup is going to be a monster defensively and force a lot of turnovers, get into transition, get Randall easy buckets. Um, I just I love that lineup a lot. I'm curious, are, are there any lineups that uh, that you really want to see beyond the you know, what we talked about? Uh, I'd like to see Brunson quickly, Hart, RJ, and I'm center. That intrigues me quite a bit. We did see that a little bit in the Cleveland series. Um, <clears throat> but I think you can get around, and we saw this pretty consistently, even if you go through the lineup data, like when you have two of Brunson quickly grimes on the floor, even with RJ and Hart, the spacing is not as much of an issue. And um, it still gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of like you have more ball handlers, you have more speed. Uh, Randall is fast, but Randall does not like to, he does not run the floor in the same way that he used to when he was younger, and certainly not in the way that other guys do. And I think when Brunson plays with quickly and he plays with Hart and he plays with RJ, he's a lot like we tend to get out on the floor or get out in open space, space floor. And him as a trailer, as a shooter, is awesome because he's a fucking great shooter in that sense. And, hey, if you don't get anything in transition, you kick it back out to him, you're still good to go in the half court. So, like, that's a lineup I would like to see. And you can plug in a bunch of, like, there's so many combinations of that lineup, right? It could be Dante and Brunson. It could be Quickly and Dante. It could be whatever. But, like, that idea of playing small and then having two guards that can space the floor out at the one and two uh, especially when those two can create the way quickly and Brunson can, I think that is not even. Think, I mean, that is something I really, really hope they experiment with. Yeah, no, I think quickly and Brunson. I mean, quickly and everyone is a good lineup at this point. But um, I think you saw it. That was one thing that was nice yesterday. It seemed like early in the game they they made a concerted effort to get not just get RJ going on ball, but to get him. You know, there's pistol, there's pick and roll with Mitch empty side. And that also opened up. He hit Brunson for a nice kick and kick out three on which Brunson relocated. Right. So some of the off balls things, which I've said for a while, I, like it's not that Brunson's a ball hog or some ISO heavy guy. What differentiates him, I think, from a lot of those other players in that mold is that this is a really good off ball. It's a playoff of Luka fucking Doncic, who never gives the ball up. Um, he knows how to find space, and I think using RJ in those situations and, and quickly for sure can help a lot. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I guess, in, you know, do you think that uh, if you had to take, what, what would you put the money line on? Uh, you know, if Dante DiVincenzo gets hot, will we ever hear the phrase Dante's Inferno from uh, from Mike Green? <laughs> What's the money line? Plus 200? Plus, plus no, 250? I think much lower. I think it'd be like minus 210. You think it's going to happen? Yeah. He, he, if he's on fire, I think you'll definitely get a Dante's Inferno line from from Breen after he's done screaming bang. Um, but like, lines. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just honestly like, I'm pretty, I just am excited to see this team once we get to the real games and we're getting the full rotation, as long as it's the perceived nine man rotation. I hope Tibbs is not setting up setting us up for some stupid 10-man rotation with Sims getting minutes to the four. But if it's the nine-man rotation we all expected it to be, I'm just really excited to see this team. And I I also... I People need to just fucking 
shut up about the minutes. I'm so sick about hearing about the minutes. How are they going to make the minutes work? Who's going to have to sacrifice? Who's going to do this? It's like people, oh, the Knicks need more talent. Oh, the Knicks get more talent. Okay, no, 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 but not like that. Now who's out? Now what about this guy's minutes? It's like you can either suck or you can be good. And if you're good, you're going to have probably a pretty good roster. And on that pretty good roster, you might have to figure out minutes game to game or some guy's going to sacrifice or whatever the fuck it is. That's part of being a good team. I'm sorry. Like you can't bitch that the Knicks have sucked forever. And then also be like, well, now who, how, how are quickly and Brian's going to get their minutes? How is RJ going to get enough touches? And it, it can't be everything. You, you're going to deal with some shit. Um, like the minutes will figure themselves out too. In a lot of ways, you know, injuries will happen. That is like, 100%. Wow, dude, that's a dick thing to say. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality. Injuries will happen. Guys will miss time, and other dudes will have to step up, and they'll get more minutes, and it'll figure itself out. Like, we saw last year, right? Mitch missed 23 games last year. Brunson missed, I think, something like 12 or maybe less than I don't know, whatever he missed. But he missed some time last year. Like, guys are going to miss minute, games. It's just part of professional sports and, and the NBA also. Like, it's going to happen. So I don't. I'm not too worried about that part of it, too, that people keep bringing up. I'm just excited to see what combinations this roster is capable of and what Tibbs attempts. Because I do think, like, there are a lot of interesting combinations, especially from one to three, that can be had. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, look, the minutes thing is going to happen. I don't think we're probably the first team to have... I haven't done any research on this, but... There's always going to be teams with youngsters that, you know, teams that are both really good and draft well. They're going to have youngsters waiting in the wings that aren't that aren't getting what you know maybe many feel like their minutes. And, um, you know, it is worrisome, right? That you have the quickly extension that still hasn't happened. You hope that happens. Um, you know, you hope no one's unhappy. The thing is this, though. I I do think that. Quickly and Grimes are the guys we were talking about. And no one's really worried about RJ Barrett losing his minutes. Um, you know, I think Quickly and Grimes have ascended to the point where um, they're not going to lose their minutes to Dante DiVincenzo because he got $11 million a year. Like, Grimes, there is a guy making $18 million a year on this roster we started to make a stink about the fact that he was surpassed by Grimes, and and maybe and you can say it was blindingly obvious, right? Fine, and maybe it, it should have happened earlier, but Tibbs, Tibbs, he started Grimes. Um, there is a sentiment maybe that Hart cut into his minutes, but Hart was pretty fucking good. Um, do I think he should have played next to RJ in the Heat series as much? No, but I've told you this: I think that Grimes was hurt. Um, do I think that the way it was handled still probably by Tibbs was right? No. Um, but I don't think if Grimes is 100% healthy, you're seeing him benched for Josh Hart that in that way. Uh, and I think if quickly or him gets beat out by DiVincenzo, it's because he's flat out better. And, and at this point, that is what it is, right? But I don't think, like, you know, there is maybe a vet bias. We saw we saw him, you know, and everyone's going to say, well, he, he started Alfred, but yeah. And you have talked a lot about how much we hated the fact he started Alfred Payton over him. Or I'm gonna I honestly I'm tired of blaming Alec Burks. I'm gonna say he started he started Evan Forney over quickly, right? The real starting lineup should have been quickly next to Burks. 
I mean, you'd agree with that, right? Like, Berkshire yeah, yeah, started yeah. too. Yeah, um, he's a good player. Berkshire's he's a better player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I think that quickly in Grimes, that relationship with Tibbs has evolved beyond that point. Uh, and I don't think if they were to lose minutes to DiVincenzo or Hart consistently, I do think that would be merit-based more than really anything. And if it's merit-based, that is what it is. Maybe they're not as good as we thought. Uh, but I don't think there's a situation where those guys are like really playing well and just being shunted for worse. That's not what's going on. You know, we got in two other vets who can play some roles, and you know you're you're going to have some fluctuations and stuff. But I don't think they're going to be systematically kept out. And then the other guys, I mean, RJ's minutes are safe. I think that's that's always been pretty clear. Um, you know, a guy like Deuce, it's just you know too many guards. He's a good player. I think you know he'll he'll stick somewhere for sure. Uh, unless there's a quickly or, or Grimes trade, it's probably not going to be here. Um, and um, but in terms of the minutes, yeah, like to your point, like I don't think this is not the situation. They're not bringing in Fournier or Alfred Payton to start over a rookie that you want to see what you. They know what they have in these guys. They're very high on them. They brought in guys to compliment them. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I think. Especially if quickly gets paid, by the way. Like once I think he's pretty good. Once you get paid, he is you've kind of graduated to a different level of player to him. Um so maybe Grimes, I, I do think Grimes is a little bit more susceptible to seeing his minutes cut than quickly at times. Because I still think like I know the playoffs were their own thing, but push comes to shove, I feel like quickly is a guy that he trusts. And he's honestly, to be fair to him. Even during the weird second season that we had in twenty one twenty two, he still trusted quickly to close games a lot, and he's trusted quickly to close games since his rookie season. So, like, well, I think he's been he's Tibbs has been on the defensive tip for a while. So, like, even when quickly was shooting like shit, he knew that he was a better defensive option than like obviously Fournier. So, yeah. So, like, I, I think that he's always been pretty good about that, um, and I don't see why that would change. If it's going to change, it'll be because somebody is just playing, outplaying him, or somebody yeah. is, or like it's their night, right? I don't think it'll, I don't know that there, I, I highly doubt there's a consistent starting lineup. The only pushback that I think is fair, and I think people can levy this at him, is like he does seem to really just, I love Josh Hart, but I think he overvalues Josh Hart at times when he shouldn't. Like, there are situations where we probably don't need Josh Hart on the floor to close games. And after the Josh Hart trade, Josh Hart pretty much closed every single game. That will be a problem because there are going to be nights where Quickly's outplaying him and Grimes outplaying him or RJ's outplaying him. And he has to be able to make the right decisions in those moments. But he, he showed I mean, Hart didn't close every game during the regular season last year, right? I'm almost positive he did. I'd be shocked if there was one he didn't. Maybe it was a blowout, but I feel like he closed pretty much every game. Um, I, if, how often if did any, he? He was usually how often he never closed really with RJ though, right? They closed a couple games. I know they closed a Denver game together. There's probably a couple others I can think off the top of my head, but like he basically closed every game. And I, I mean, we talked about this at the end of the year. Like, quickly was closing more games than RJ was, right? Grimes was the one who never closed more or less in the regular season. I think the one time he did close was kind of like when they were shorthand at the end of the season or that that last Miami game in the regular season when he 
actually, he didn't even close with Brunson in that game, right? So, like, he will make these decisions at times. It's about, this is just a point, and this roster is at a point where, like, he's got to make the right call more consistently. And it the, has to be The margin for error is lower when you're at this level, right? This is no longer yeah. we're trying to be relevant. We are relevant. We've shown it. Uh, every step yeah. is incrementally yeah, and, hard. Yeah, and DiVincenzo, too, by the way. He's, he's definitely somebody who could close games at times. So, he's got options. It's important for him to make the right ones. Uh, we'll see what he's capable of. Like, but at this point, I really, I also like. I think another thing that should just be retired, and we can close with this, is if you think Tibbs is a great coach, that's fine. But like, you, he no longer gets the pass of he doesn't have the talent. They don't have a star. They don't have this thing. They don't have that thing. This team is. Does it have a top five, top ten player? No. But like, tough shit, dude. A lot of teams don't. This team is very talented. You have to make consistently good decisions, and you have expectations to win games. At this point, this is not no longer anymore just about, oh, doesn't have enough talent, doesn't have enough talent, doesn't have talent. No. He's got talent. It's on him to deliver now. And I'm not saying win a fucking championship, but this is a team, as far as I'm concerned, they should be pushing for the third seed in the East. That is my standard for them. Not saying they got to get the three seed, but they should be in that mix. They should be in the mix for 50 wins. And I don't feel like that's asking too much of him. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, it is sad. I think um, our friends at the Odd Hand Theory podcast, which I'll plug at the end because I, I hope everyone will check that out. Um, you know, they, they tweeted out about how, like, you know, every player is getting ranked low. I think you tweeted out yesterday, like, Mitch's ranking actually went from 98 to 100 on, was yeah. it Bleacher Report? Um, Whatever. No, it's ESPN after, Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, after bodying the shit out of a guy, two guys, I'm sure were a lot higher than him. Jared um, Allen wasn't, but I'm sure Mobley will be ranked in the top 50, which is very stupid. Allen was below Mitch. He wasn't in the top 50, so unless he gets ranked as a top 50 player, he will not be above Mitch. Oh. Maybe he got. Maybe he does though. Maybe I'm. Totally I can wrong. see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, obviously, Mitchell Robinson. He was. He was, I think, the most valuable player in that series. Um, he, no lower than two. Um, and, and Brunson was great, so I'm, that's not a knock on Brunson. But um, but I, I, I sent to Jeff this message. I was like, well, the, a lot of Knicks fans unironically believe that, yeah, every player on the team does. The, the, the tweet that they sent out was, you know, it's crazy the Knicks won a playoff series last year and got the five seed and won 47 games in spite of, of the fact that every player on their team sucks. And I was like, but I think there's a lot of fans who believe that. And their rationale is like, well, Tibbs is the greatest coach ever. You know, that's what we heard when, you know, when they were starting Elf, right? They're winning games. They're making the playoffs. And, you know, I I think we're, you know, we often find ourselves, I think, in the unfortunate standpoint of being a little bit in the middle where we're very highly critical of Tibbs. But the few times we haven't, like, called for Leon Rose to be fired, we get considered, you know, to be biased or, you know, not objective or whatever. But um, I think that, you know, when it comes to, I think that Tibbs has had that leeway. And now you're just judged on a different, you're a victim of your own success in that. So, uh, I mean, that, that you're on the plan, but now you have to show us that you've got to outdo all these. This is where those differences matter. Um, you know, no one's saying you have to be Eric Spolstra, but the talent, you're not going to have a talent advantage 
or even not be at a severe, uh, or you know, you know, or you're not going to have this kind of talent disparity where just coaching to your identity is going to win you the, the championship. You're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to have multiple tools in your box, and you have to develop those over the course of the season. And this will be fun to watch. And I do think, um, you know, if they stagnate, I do think he'll. We saw what happened to Dwayne Casey. You saw George Carl win Coach of the Year and get fired. Like, you know, the pressure is there. And, and as much as Rose has a great relationship with him, I'm sure Tibbs is aware of that. And I'm very curious to see, you know, how he, he starts to, you know, I think he has to keep his identity. Like, this identity is important in the Knicks. But how do you kind of diversify around that? Um, that's going to be fun to watch this season. Yeah. And also, just like at a very basic level, there should be no game the Knicks go into the season and you should feel like, well, there's no chance they can win this game because the talent disadvantage is just so crazy. Like, no, I'm sorry. You don't get that anymore. Like, again, it doesn't mean like, oh my God, if they lose to the Celtics, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, how the fuck could they lose this game? But I'm not also not going to sit here and be like, if we beat the Celtics, be like, oh my God, what a fucking miracle. Only St. Tibbs could have done this. Like, no, like I, this, this roster is really good. He has expectations. The players have expectations. Let's see what happens. Um, <clears throat> all right. I think that's a good place to end it. Stacy, let the people know where they can find you. Plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, yeah. Um, you can find me at StacyPadden89. Um, I will plug a few things. I'll plug um, all the coverage of the WNBA Finals at the Strickland by Gigi and Matt. Um, I think Gigi and Matt are actually recording our other pod right now, Believe Knicks, which um, I won't be on, but you should check that out. Um, if they're not doing it tonight, though, um, I'll, I'll be on the, the one that they do after game two. Um, I'll plug Strictly NFL, which I've learned a lot from about football, even though Khan's a Giants fan. Um, he's very, uh, <laughs> very insightful, and I've learned a lot from him. Uh, and um, and I'll plug the Hot Hand Theory podcast that our friends XJ and um, and Jeff are starting, um, two really smart guys. Um, we've had um, Jeff on here, um, you know, before, um, and, and they're putting a lot of great, great content as well, and I think you'll enjoy that as well. So a lot of great contact in the space. Exciting season and, and time to be a Knicks fan right now, and I encourage you to check it all out. Yeah, um, I will echo all that. Definitely check out the Liberty uh, work that Gigi and Matt have done on the Strickland and definitely check out the pod they're doing. Uh, maybe right now, maybe some other point in the future. Um, <clears throat> also, 100% agree. Uh, subscribe to, follow the Hot Hand Theory on Twitter. I'm sure that Frank and, and or not Frank, Jesus, Jeff and XJ will be doing uh, great work on there. And then also, again, Strictly NFL, awesome show. That's also Jeff and uh, Khan on there. They're doing great work. Uh, and if you haven't taken a listen yet, check out the inaugural episode of Takes from Obvious Bozos that dropped last weekend uh, from Zach and Drew. So I'm going to plug all of that. Uh, I will plug our merchandise again, which I'm wearing some of if you're interested in that. And aside from that, I will plug Bet Online, our wonderful, wonderful sponsor. That is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.